Welcome to episode 194 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, if you think that men have the natural advantage on the trail, think again. Then for the Summit Gear Review, an STP device that levels the playing field when it comes to using the bathroom. Next, we'll share our kids' favorite go-to site for looking up hiking and backpacking trails. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from the American government. All this and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. Well, traditionally, backpacking has perhaps been thought of as a men's activity, something the guys do. And maybe there's a few reasons for that. Men are bigger and have more muscle mass. And backpacking may be seen as a, an activity that um, benefits from being strong. You know, the stronger you are, the better backpacker you are. And it's outdoorsy. Perhaps in our society, we've had some periods where we think of men as outdoorsy and women as indoorsy. There's no reason for that because back in the hunter-gatherer days, everyone was outdoorsy and they traveled many miles together. And both women and men had different skill sets in the outdoors that were advantageous to survival. Yeah, you know, even gear companies have perpetuated the male advantage in the outdoors. Traditionally, gear has been made for men, and then maybe they tweak it a little or change the color to have a women's design or a women's version of the product. Shrink it and pink it? Yeah, I think it's starting to finally change, where they're making products that are actually designed for women rather than starting with a men's product and then trying to convert it or, or, or recolor it, it or market right. it. Yeah, <laughs> right. So the, I guess there's several components of our society and our culture that have promoted this idea that backpacking and, and in general, many outdoor sports are for men and not so much for women. It's interesting, though. My, my mom grew up in the outdoors, and I think they just bought men's clothing and men's gear and went with it and spent a lot of time outdoors when she was growing up. So maybe she was bucking the trend back then. I don't know. Oh, definitely. And now we've even kind of seen this shift where there are events that are targeted toward women or websites or podcasts that are trying to get women to recognize that they have a place outdoors and that it's their trails too and their trees and their mountains. They don't belong to the men only. Yeah, so perhaps men and women each have their different uh, advantages on the trail. And there are some advantages for men. Upper body strength, well, actually, that doesn't do you a lot of good when you're hiking, <laughs> does it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it can be helpful in some situations outdoors um, that um, I can't think of anything else. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just got myself stuck there. But, uh, <laughs> I cackle with delight. Just kidding. <laughs> right, because you've done all the research. You've got a whole list of women's advantages. Right. And I'm, I'm just coming up empty here <laughs> on the men's side. Well, women do have some really interesting advantages on the trail. That is today's top five list. Top five advantages that women have over men on the trail. Are you ready for this? Is your male ego going to be able to survive this episode? <laughs> oh, boy. 
Um, before you jump into the first one, I would just preface this by saying that these are, to some extent, generalizations. You will find women who are especially good at something that may be typically something where males have an advantage and vice versa. You may find men who are really good at something where females typically have an advantage. So each individual person is an individual person. But there are some general traits of women and men that make them different and uh, that give advantages to each as it relates to backpacking. Well, the number one advantage that women have over men on the trail is that women are better at navigation via landmarks. So women have this gift of remembering where things are, and they're more likely to navigate the land by remembering, oh, we passed this rock 10 minutes ago. We're walking in a loop. <laughs> um, and men, they generally navigate by sense of direction. So they get that cognitive map in their head and they say, oh, this way is north. This is the direction we need to go. So I really like that the two strengths that men and women bring to the table are complementary. I think that's really beautiful. And that's the way that I think we can look at a lot of these advantages. Not that, you know, a man needs to dominate because he has this strength and a woman can dominate over here because she has this strength, but that when you combine the strengths together, you create this full and complete picture or experience or uh, a full strength, actually. And this one surprises me um, because I have known that men tend to have a more developed sense of uh, geospatial ability. And I use it all the time myself. I'll uh, look at the directions to get to a place and I'll basically memorize them and then close the book or put down the phone and I can drive to that place just after a few moments of memorizing the route. And I like to challenge myself that way. Okay, can I memorize this route with all these quirky turns and everything? And, and I have this map in my head and yeah, it's got north, south, east, and west on it. And it's, and I can see where I am at any time in that map that I have that's in my head. And I think that's even why I have such a strong need to get outside, because when I spend time inside, I'm surrounded by walls and ceilings, and I need that feeling of openness and space. I think that's part of my geospatial sense that I have, and I just have that need. But I haven't thought about women having a different advantage that still helps with navigation, but just in a different way. Right. And when I remember hikes that we've been on, I do think of the visual, like the landmarks, I guess, or what it, what it felt like even. So when we return to a place quite often, I'll be like, oh, we've been here before, you know, and it could be years. And I just sense this this is familiar. I know I've passed this exact setup before. So it's really interesting. Even if I don't remember a specific rock or specific tree, it's just that feeling of I've been here. I know where I am and I feel more confident in my navigation skills. And this advantage that women have is something that Diane Halpern, professor of psychology at Claremont McKenna College in California studied. So we'll have the link to that in today's show notes. The number two advantage that women have over men on the trail is that women have stronger immune systems. No argument from me on this one. This is incredible. We've noticed this at home, too, that the world can be falling apart around me. You know, kids, you know, and I'm bulletproof. I don't know how. I mean, yeah, I do get sick. But for the most part, I can be pretty much in the thick of 
caring for children and I don't get sick. So I have this superpower. And not only do I have this amazing superpower of not getting what my kids get, but when I do get sick, I'm able to continue to do at, you know, 75, (laughs) 60% um, my normal routine. So women really do have stronger immune systems. And this is because estrogen suppresses an enzyme that hinders the body's ability to fight against bacteria and viruses. Yay, estrogen. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, in the backcountry, you're exposed to bacteria and viruses. Bacteria is all over the place. Viruses actually are mostly from human to human contact. We don't have viruses in our water, typically in North America. And so uh, bacteria is mostly what your body's going to be fighting against on the trail. And again, this is a generalization. Some women have compromised immune systems and some men have especially strong immune systems. But in general, uh, well, we've certainly seen it play out in our family. (laughs) When the kids get sick, yeah, I'm more likely to be the one that gets sick with them. And then, Heather, you're just still going strong. And if you do get sick, it seems to be a a week later after everyone else is starting to get better. Yeah, that's true. And you finally get that moment to shut down. (laughs) But like you said, you don't. You you go at like 75, 80% (laughs) somehow power through. Well, the number three advantage that women have over men on the trail is that women have a higher pain tolerance. This one really surprised me, but Mythbusters did a test, (laughs) source of all truth, and they had both men and women submerge their hands in icy water. And women were actually able to endure this ordeal for longer than the men. Well, yeah, I would have a few questions about their research protocol. (laughs) Like, did the men and the women know what the research project was about? Because knowledge of what they were looking for would certainly influence the outcome. Oh, it's a men versus women tolerance for pain thing. I'm going to really (laughs) stick it out on this one. Uh, And... The icy water thing, yeah, that's maybe one approach to measuring pain, but there are probably some other approaches that may be more... You'd need more variety of types of pain, right? Right. Like maybe to induce a headache or a cut or... Of course, those would be... You can't do that on TV. (laughs) Yeah, not very humane. Right. (laughs) Right, so it's a little tough to measure. I think it's been a somewhat hotly debated topic over the years, Uh but... There's that joke of, um, you know, a a woman who says, now that I've been through childbirth, I know what it's like for a man to have a cold. (laughs) Yeah, so this one, I listed it as an advantage, but I don't know if pain tolerance is an advantage for men or women to be proud of. You know, like, I think pain is your body's way of saying, hey, slow down, figure out what's wrong because I'm sending you this signal that's saying something's not right. So I, I wouldn't be proud of the ability to tolerate pain. I would be more proud of my ability to pinpoint the problem, solve it, and move on. So while I have experienced high levels of pain in my life, uh, I'm glad that they've been for short periods of time and that I've been able to move on and figure out the cause of it, the root cause. That's something men and women can do. The number four advantage that women have over men on the trail is that women are better learners. A study done by University of Georgia and Columbia University 
found that women are pretty good learners. And in the research that was done, they found that women tend to be more attentive, more flexible, and more organized. And with those three skills, it's like this trifecta of learning that you can actually understand things better than the men around you. I would express it more as uh, differences in learning style hmm. that may make us more apt at learning in different ways or learning different types of knowledge. Because I have noticed that one thing that can be really helpful in learning is the ability to connect the new thing that you're trying to learn to something that you already know. And I think that's how most of learning happens, is by connecting something new to something that you already know. And like, if you can't make the connection, then the new thing that you're trying to learn is isolated. And it's like it doesn't have a spot to be held in your brain. You don't know where it goes, and so you lose it. And women are always making connections. At least I know you are. <laughs> when I'm thinking about just one thing, you're thinking about a million things all at once and, and they all connect to each other. And we can be talking about one thing and then you'll all of a sudden like, oh, this, you know, and because there, there was some connection to this other thing that in my mind was like completely unrelated to what we were talking about, like total change of subject. But in your mind, they were connected. And I can see that uh, connectability or connectiveness to be helpful in learning. So I think this is another one of those things where men and women really do complement each other. Like you said, women have that network in their minds and men tend to have boxes in their minds. And this is a generalization, of course, but I think that allows women to spiderweb out and have the ability to connect a lot of ideas in a wide way. And men, because a lot of what they do is compartmentalized and in a box, I think they have the ability to go deep. And so that deep and wide provides kind of the x-axis and the y-axis and fleshes out the knowledge that both of them bring to the table. Yeah, another way to say it, I think, is that women's approach to learning would be more like a network and men's approach to learning would be more like a sequence. Ah, perfectly said. Thank you. <laughs> the number five advantage that women have over men on the trail is that women are better endurance athletes. Women have smaller muscles, but those muscles don't tire as fast as men's. So that means if you put a man and a woman on the same task, and it's one of those long, drawn-out tasks, the man will most likely fatigue before the woman does. So says science. <laughs> also, women are faster to recover from physical exertion than men. I don't know how we got that gift, but I'll take it. Okay, cool. And we've seen this play out in competitive sports. Uh, sports that favor brute strength, men by far do better. Uh, football would be one, you know, where just the, your weight and your strength and the ability to put it all that strength into one move in an instant is an advantage. Um, sprinting to get you know, that quick right out of the gate as fast as you can. But what's really interesting is you get to uh, the endurance sports, like the 100 mile runs and, and some of these really long endurance sports is that uh, that advantage that men have evaporates. And if you look at the winners of these, like these 100 mile runs over time, it's a mix of men and women. Rebecca Roosh, who's an endurance cyclist, said, all these guys will go out hot, and hours later I catch them. They always ask, why do you start so slowly? And I answer, why do you finish so slowly? <laughs> I thought that was interesting. 
women have that ability to just keep going. In backpacking, I'd put it in the endurance sport category. Uh, you're not, well, okay, you could be running the trail if that's your thing. But most of us as backpackers, we're not running the trail, but we need to endure. We need to do it for hours and hours. Women can do it. So I think it's interesting going through this list and seeing the advantages that women have over men on the trail. I think men have equal and opposite advantages. And I love how men and women really can complement each other on the trail and be a support to each other. And that's something I've definitely seen as I've been backpacking with you and with our kids, that we each bring something unique and interesting to the table and it provides a full and complete backpacking experience. I feel like the two of us can go backpacking together and it's a well-balanced activity for the two of us. It, it's not one where like I'm holding back so that you can keep up or something and and you're not holding back so that I can keep up. We just <laughs> well, yeah. it reminds me of that canoeing trip that we took when we were first dating and uh yeah, you definitely have the upper body strength advantage over me and we ended up going in circles for a little while cuz <laughs> <laughs> I did not canoe the way that you canoed. <laughs> did I have you in the back for a little while? Yeah, Is that did. what we did? Yeah. <laughs> and the person in the back has to be, they have to have enough power in it to, uh -huh. to make it go. So well, okay. There's another thing though. <clears throat> when there's more weight in the front and less weight in the back, canoes don't work well. Oh. So it wasn't just a strength thing. <laughs> I weigh a little more than you. So the weight was in the front. It doesn't work well in canoes. Well, backpacking has worked out a lot better for us than canoeing did. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun. For today's Summit Gear Review, we'll be reviewing the Tinkle Bell STP device. Men have it easy when it comes to using the bathroom on the trail. That's an undisputed advantage <laughs> that men have. Yeah, well, thank goodness for STP devices. STP is short for Stand to Pee. Ah, uh, See, always, SD, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's this automotive brand that no, you know, Seattle oil to additives. Oh, Seattle to Portland, yeah. the bike race. Oh, but anyway. <laughs> Today, it's a stand to pee device, and it levels the peeing field when it comes to using the bathroom in the wilderness. And you could probably use it on the Seattle to Portland. Oh, totally. These things are so handy. I mean, it really isn't just for backpacking. It's for road trips, for bike trips. This little stand to pee device is a plastic and silicone funnel. And what it does is it directs the flow so that nothing trickles. It all just flows away from you. The Tinkle Bell is antimicrobial, which is great. It's also hydrophobic, which means that you can use this as almost a squeegee to get all the drips away and then just shake it out and you basically have no need for toilet paper. You can also use the Tinkle Bell STP device fully clothed to allow for minimal exposure. So if you are out hiking on a crowded trail or if you're on a bike race or a marathon or whatever, this is gonna be something that's going to allow you to use the bathroom conveniently and discreetly. The Tinkle Bell measures nine and a quarter inches when it's fully opened, but you can also fold it in half for easier storage and it's five and a half inches. It weighs 1.8 ounces or 50 grams and the Tinkle Bell has a carrying case that comes with it and the Tinkle Bell with the case weighs 2.6 ounces or 75 grams. 
For maintenance, all you need to do is shake it off. You can also give it a quick rinse with your water bottle and shake it off and then just fold it in half and store it in the bag. You can also just put it in your pack. You don't need to store it in the storage bag. For investment, the Tinklebell STP device is $28. And for trial, all ages can use this little STP device, which is great if you're out with wee ones who may not have mastered the squat. Or if you haven't mastered the squat, sometimes that can be a little bit tricky and messy. And then if you're nervous about using an STP device, if you've never used one before, Tinkleball recommends giving it a test run in the shower. That way you don't have to worry about any drips, any spills. You can just take care of it there and it'll all go down the drain. The Tinkleball is foldable. It's compact. It's discreet. It's super easy to use. It's easily portable. And it's a great option for women who want to have the same advantages as men have on the trail, which is being able to pee anywhere. It's so great. We're jealous. That is a huge advantage on the trail because you're drinking, you're hydrating all the time, and then you feel like you have to stop all the time to use the bathroom. And sometimes there's not a big tree that you can hide behind and you just feel like you're exposing it all. And... The women don't want to expose it all on the trail. So an STP device is a really great option if you just want to have a little bit of privacy and a little bit more convenience when it comes to using the bathroom on the trail. And we'll have the link to the Tinklebell STP device in today's show notes at thefirst40miles.com slash 194. And you got to love Tinklebell's hashtag, let pedum ring. Oh boy. Nice. <laughs> Very cute. For today's backpack hack of the week, the Outdoor Project website. This is our go-to website now for finding trips. And their mission statement says it all. They want to create the most intuitive, comprehensive, and inspiring outdoor adventure resource ever. Yep. They're doing it. I think this shows the power of a mission statement too, because you go on their website and you're like, oh, they have all the good information. This is everything I need. So you can choose an adventure based on a specific location, a region, the activity type, um, something that's near me or something that's new. So when I'm looking for a backpacking trip on outdoorproject.com, I go to the activities menu. I just click on activities. And then on the left-hand side, it has some filter options. And I go filter by activity. So I say filter by activity type. And under that is a long list of different activities. And the very first one is hiking and backpacking. So I click on hiking and backpacking. And then within that, I can find backcountry camping. So if it's hiking and backpacking with backcountry camping, then I know it's going to be a trail that I can hike on, of course, but I can also spend the night on that trail because it's got the backcountry campsite. So that filters it right down to the types of trips I'm looking for for backpacking. And then, of course, I can pick a region or just browse on the map and see what's close to home or far away. And maybe you want other features on the hike, too. You can include those features in your search and find exactly the type of hike that you want. Outdoor Project started in 2013, so just a year before we started our podcast. They're based in Portland and San Francisco. And didn't you meet one of the guys from Outdoor Project as you were traveling to OR, Outdoor Retailer? Yeah, I did. It was in an airport terminal. It was at the Portland airport. Yeah, and they were just getting started. They'd maybe been up for a year or so. Yeah. 
And when we first used Outdoor Project, well, their approach was they wanted to get really good coverage of the areas that they covered. And so when we first checked it out, they had really good coverage of the Pacific Northwest, which was great. It's where we live. So it was instantly useful to us. And we noticed that much of the rest of the country was not yet covered. And the reason they took that approach is they wanted to make sure that they did a really good job of covering each part of the country as they expanded, rather than just having a mediocre coverage of everywhere and kind of pleasing no one. So they could really satisfy the Northwest crowd, and then they could get, I don't know, Montana, and do a great job with Montana, do a great job with the Southeast, the Appalachians, whatever. They tended to take each area and really build it out very comprehensively. And so now they've got great coverage. Oh, yeah, this is a phenomenal rich site that has just exploded. A lot of it is user-generated content. I feel like it's exploded in the last year. Um, you can do cool things on it too, like you can add items to your to-do list. You can add items to your done-it list. You can print off a field guide, which is something you'll want to do right before you take off on your backpacking trip, and it has all the information that you'll need for that hike. You can also print off driving directions. It will show the current weather forecast. It will show nearby adventures in case your adventure gets swamped. And then there's a social feature to find out who else wants to do it in case you want to connect with someone, or who else has done it in case you want to find out a little bit more about that hike. Whenever we start getting the idea to prepare for a new backpacking trip, our youngest goes to OutdoorProject.com and he loves this site. He'll spend hours poring over all the different hike options out there. He's even got his own user account on OutdoorProject.com and he uses it and he logs in and he finds these trips and he prints out that uh, field guide and he shows us, you know, hey, we could do this one. It's got this or we could do this other one. It's got this. It's so fun to kind of look over his shoulder and see him just researching all these trips on OutdoorProject.com. And he gets so inspired by the, the photos and the trip write-ups. It's a beautiful site. And it really makes you want to get out there. Right. I got onto the computer yesterday and I had let the kids use my login. And there were about 10 tabs up in my browser. They were all from Outdoor Project, different hikes that the kids wanted to do. And it was really cool. I think they were looking for some fishing trips too on Outdoor Project. So yeah, it's just a great place. It's such a rich website that feels comprehensive. And so you can go there and find a hike, find all the information you need. And I know they're adding more features every day and making it this dream site that we've all just been craving. And it's inspiring. So we'll have the link in today's show notes, or you can just go to outdoorproject.com. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friends in the American government, the President's Commission on Americans Outdoors. In this report, it says, imagine walking out your front door, getting on a bicycle, a horse, or simply donning your backpack, and within minutes of your home, setting off along a continuous network of recreation corridors that could lead across the country. Isn't that a thrilling thought? Well, I love imagining that. It's not reality yet. It's far from it. It would be super cool, though. No. In fact, in our county, there's a trail that's in the works. It's a rails-to-trail kind of thing. It's an old railroad track that they want to convert into a trail. And not everyone is supportive of it. 
So this dream of having a continuous network of recreation corridors that could lead across the country is something we may have to kind of push for. Yeah, and even if you don't call it recreation, just the idea of having a network of paths that can be walked or biked rather than driven by a car. We have a network for cars across the entire continent. Everything is connected to everything else. I mean, there is no road out there that is not connected to the network. <laughs> not like that with trails. They're just these isolated things that start at the end of a road and then go to wherever, mountaintop or whatever, and end, and you come back. I just would love to see this implemented, where I could get on a trail, not a road with a bunch of cars on it, but a trail here in the town that we live in, and go to the next town over, and the next town over from there, and out into the woods or the fields or the pastures. It would be wonderful. It's a beautiful idea, an idea whose day hopefully will come. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you're looking for fun backpacking books and merch, check out thefirst40miles.com slash shop. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. Explain yourself, sir. Uh, yeah, I should think of an example. Where I'm uh, going to delete this right out of the show. <laughs> yeah. It's a cool little device. And weapon. <laughs> <laughs> no, never use a stand to pee device as a weapon against someone. Right? <laughs>